You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Howdy ho, everybody. Greg Hectus. Guess I'm filling in for David this week. All right. And Tony Groves. Howdy, gentlemen. Hey, so on this week's show, we're going to talk about an exploit, or maybe it's a non-exploit. We'll talk about the Coke race at uh, Dover and tons of hardware stuff, of course. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. Hope to see you there. Sim Coaches offers the realistic sim racing equipment you need to win more races online. It is designed for real racers. Hydraulic construction makes them feel just like the real thing. High quality construction, 100% leak proof and lifetime warranty are the key features with these pedals, and they look absolutely amazing. Check out simcoaches.com and use the coupon code iRacersLounge to get 10% off your purchase. Simcoaches.com is your ticket to feel like you're actually sitting behind the wheel of a car, drive harder, and stay on the limit longer. First-time winner, Ashton Crowder, final time at turn four to his first win in the E-NASCAR Peaking and the Monster Mile in 2020 is tamed by Nitron Garillo. Going to look to the bottom. It is not going to be enough. And Ryan Luza is going to go back to back. He steals the win at Thunder Valley. Welcome, the voice of iRacing, Evan Pasoko. Okay, welcome back, Evan Pasoko. Uh, we got Dover this week, uh, but before the race, we heard uh, from Briar LaPrade that him and Conti, um, Graham Bolin, Colin Keister, uh, next uh, race, they're actually going to battle live at that Carolina eSports hub. Uh, there's going to be giveaways at the event, live music, and so forth. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, I know the Charlotte Phoenix has been doing those watch parties for the last couple of races, um, if not most of the year. Um, so it's cool that they're, not, as you mentioned, not only going to have their drivers in Grand Bullen and Colin Keister there, but the Junior Motorsports guys, the LaPrade and Conti are going to show up as well. So uh, it's, it looks like a super fun scene. I know we had the live camera at their watch party, even though, uh, as we'll discuss, Dover didn't turn out to be a great night for the Charlotte Phoenix. Um, but if you're in the area, uh, get down to the Carolina Esports Hub in two weeks on May 10th. Uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time is when it all kicks off. Um, some great giveaways and um, I think uh, that kind of LAN style of event um, is is a big step in the right direction for, for where this series needs to go to grow. So I'm kind of bummed I'm on the West Coast and like, you know, 2,000 miles away or uh, I might have wanted to stop by. But it's going to be a good time and I'm sure we'll have some sort of a live shot to, to talk about it on the show. Yeah, very good. It looks like fun just to go and watch. Uh, now, I usually don't talk about qualifying, but you got to when it, Nick Ottinger takes a poll again. Uh, but it was clean racing at the beginning, uh, it, it looked like, up until lap 17. And caution, Blade Wit goes around, along with uh, Colin Bowden off of turn two. 
Yeah, this was a discussion we were having pre-race, right? I mean, this was a short Dover race. It was only 120 laps. Last time we raced here in 2020, it was a 200-lap race. Despite that big difference in length, that race only had two cautions. And we had a, a bit of a discussion amongst ourselves in the booth before it started. What was the over-under on yellows? And I think almost all but two people of like the eight or nine people uh, decided to go for the over, right? We knew that this was going to be a bit sloppy, right? We've seen more racks with this next-gen car. People are still trying to figure them out. Dover's a tricky track as is. And um, we mentioned coming to the green, you got to watch corner exit. And lo and behold, first incident uh, between Bowden and Witt happens, that part of the racetrack, and that would prove uh to kind of be the calamity spot all night long and kind of surprisingly to stay out nick ottinger liam brotherton they restart on lap 22 um and it's trouble it's the big one at dover clampett keister leahy and more involved in the big one on that restart yeah, and that, uh, you know, that happened after guys like Ottinger and, and Brotherton had stayed out, right? So I think it was a lot of people aggressive on those fresh tires, trying to take advantage of it, and it takes out a lot of really fast race cars. And, and this is kind of what kicked off the strategy and chaos portion of the night, right? Because at this point now, Ottinger, who had proven to be the dominant car, right? You mentioned he started on pole. It's his fourth pole in six races this year. Um, you know, ends up kind of off cycle with everybody else. You're thinking, you know, what's Nick going to do? How can Brotherton defend? Liam started to slide back towards the end of the top 10 by the time this incident happened. And this is where we're really thinking, all right, this race is going to get it interesting because there was no clear cut favor once the strategy started to get muddled up and you started to see fast race cars like Leahy, like Clampett get taken out. Yep. And then back to green, but caution quickly again on lap 29. Multiple cars involved in caution three. It, Vicente Salas looks to get a bit loose. He caught Alfala and then they the field just piled in. Yeah, they, uh, they stack up. Uh, they can get into it. And again, um, this is a tight racetrack, right? Um, this, you know, goes with the theme of the yellow right prior to it, right? The big one. Um, once a couple of cars get together, um, you know, the field's going to pile in because there's nowhere to go. Um, there's no apron, there's no grass, right? There's no pit road to drive through. If we're wrecking on the front stretch or on the back stretch, there's no apron or grass to avoid to, right? Um, so once something happens, you're just at the mercy of the field. And I know that a lot of drivers were frustrated in the fact that, you know, they got caught up in something late, but realistically, you know, when you're, you're doing 160 miles an hour off the corner and the track's blocked in front of you, what are you going to do? Right? So there were certainly some tempers. I, I think that these guys, you know, after the race realized it's Dover, man, you know, I think they were more so frustrated with their circumstances uh, than specific drivers. Cause that's the way this racetrack is with Rex. Yeah. And what I've noticed is they don't clear down like you think they would with the banking. They actually clear to the wall. It seems like, I, I mean, all the cars go out and so it, it's really hard to miss. Now this next round of incidents, um, it happened at simultaneously on both sides of the track. It was a, uh, well, first, Vicente Salas tags the wall, but it stays green on 36. But on 38, we got Caden Honeycutt crashed on the front stretch. And then simultaneously, uh, Mullis crashes really hard on the back stretch. Uh, the inc incident between Honeycutt and Ray brought out that yellow. But as they came off turn two, Mullis nosed in after contact with Bobby Zelensky. 
Yeah, I mean, just as that yellow was coming out for the contact between Honeycut and Ray, um, you know, it's not like Mullis was wrecking on the yellow, right? Technically, yeah, it did happen under caution, but the yellow flag had just come out as, uh, you know, we saw Honeycut slide to a stop on the inside wall on the front stretch that we had another wreck off of too, right? Pinch me if you've heard this before, right? It goes back to the very first incident we talked about from the start of the race uh, with Witt and Bowden. Two cars on the outside. I don't necessarily know if, uh, you know, Zelensky uh, got a little bit loose or was low, but, um, you know, those two cars are coming off of two. I, I mentioned, you know, talking with Blake on the broadcast about how unique this track is. A lot of tracks when you're coming out of the banking and onto a straightaway, you're coming down the banking, right? And here at Dover, you're going up. You got to get up and out of the dip that is the banking. It gets the car loose. Anytime you make contact on the exit of two, car's going to be in the fence. And this time around, Jimmy Mullis just happened to be the odd man out. Yeah, so lap 40, Nick Ottinger finally pits under that caution. Uh, up front for the restart, Conti Zelensky. Uh, the biggest mover of the race at this point was Graham Bolin. He was up 25 spots from 36th to 11th. Um, and the Ottinger update is basically in 10 laps, uh, he got up to 9th after restarting 26th. He has the freshest tires at the moment, the most fuel at the moment, 50 to go. Yeah, and this is obviously, you know, the play. And, and this comes back into with the shorter race we had, right? If we had a 200-lap race like we did a couple of years ago, I think everybody plays the strategy different, but we knew you're going to be about 30-ish, maybe 35 laps short on being able to do this race with the fuel you start with. So once we get 35 laps in, people are good, right? So that goes back to the very early uh, pit stop when, uh, you know, most of the field decided to come down to the pit lane. Ottinger and Brotherton stayed out. Those guys pitted before the window, but they knew there were going to be yellows, right? So everyone's trying to save to get to the end. Ottinger was kind of the odd man out. A couple of guys had pitted 10 laps before. So we kind of had two to three different, uh, you know, fuel strategy cycles going on at the same time. But when Ottinger pits, I'm sweating, right? Because, listen, he's had the best race car. He could have pitted with everybody else at the start of the race, and it would have been, I think, a lot easier for him. No doubt, in traffic, he's good on fuel. He's really one of the only guys good on fuel, as we would come to learn. But my worry was being in the midfield, right? Because where have all these wrecks we've been talking about, right? Midfield, 15th, 18th, 20th, right? So I think the real concern for Ottinger here wasn't the speed. It was, could he survive in the midfield? As I call it, get back in the craft, yeah. <laughs> The newness of the tires had worn off at this point for Ottinger. Uh, the next 10 laps it took him to get by uh, from ninth to eighth by Femi Olat. Uh, Bobby was in second, though, and starting to slowly chip away at the leader, Conti. Man, it was exciting, too. And here comes Zelensky. He finally closes in at 30 to go and 29 to go. He gets it. New leader, Bobby. And what's yeah, interesting, Conti immediately hit pit road. Yeah, I think Conti was waiting, right? I mean, he had had a pretty comfortable gap. And the funny thing is, as soon as Bobby got to him, he pitted. I think that's what Conti was waiting on. And this whole time, as I kind of alluded to, right, all these guys are saving because they had already pitted once much earlier in the race, right? So as we're talking about Nick Ottinger on a one-stop strategy, these drivers were trying to be on a one-stopper, but effectively pitted too early on that first opportunity. So with him coming down to the pit lane, I'm not going to say that everybody needed to pit because James Blake reported for us on pit road that, you know, some drivers seemed to indicate that they thought they were good on a fuel to go to the end. Other drivers seemed to indicate that they weren't clearly Conti wasn't going to have enough fuel to the end of the race. So he has to come down pit road. And now their next question is, you know, Bobby Zelensky's assumed the race lead. Can he make it? Well, Steven Wilson thinks he could make it at that point. 
But then everything's out the window because caution. It's Mullis and Mitchell DeJong involved. Uh, Mike Connie had pitted right before that and is now trapped a lap down. Now, interestingly, Malik Ray stays out and assumes the lead. And we're all wondering how this is going to work. Now, Ottinger, he took two tires and literally everybody else on four. So Bobby was the first on four. Then Corey Vincent will start fourth. Yeah, this was the big play, right? So Malik Ray stays out. It seems like there's always one guy in these Coke races to not pit and stay out. And listen, I don't think anybody realistically thought Malik was going to get the win there. Um, you know, he was running way back in traffic, so maybe he's trying to get something good out of it, but uh, probably not the, the best decision, right? So you're worried if that's going to stack everybody up, but you got him on old tires, good on fuel. You mentioned Nick Ottinger, who, again, was good on fuel. If this yellow never happened, he would have been good to the end, right? Everybody else was the question mark. But because he hadn't cycled through to the race lead, he didn't want to get four tires and then be, you know, fifth, sixth in line, right? He's in traffic. He doesn't want that. So he goes for the two. He's the first car off pit road. So you got uh, Ray on none. You get Ottinger in two. And then, as you mentioned, everybody else from there on back and a half four. And we had seen, yeah, tires were a, a good thing, right? I mean, Ottinger was only able to slice through the field like he was able to because he had a tire advantage. So at this point, we probably know Malik Ray's not going to win this race, but we're thinking, can Nick Ottinger hang on on just two tires? Because there's a lot of laps left. Well, I got to say the Gen 7 car seems to work better on two tires than Gen 6. If you did two, you were, you were toast. And, and these guys, you know, you talk about Ottinger. I mean, he's got such good short run speed, right, with all the poles that he's had. So, obviously, he needed a couple of things to happen, right? Uh, I think if this race goes, you know, 25 laps, whatever the number was, to the end of the race from this point, I don't know if he wins it. Because I think if you get that many green flag laps in a row, eventually that four-tire thing is going to happen. But I think that it was a calculated risk. He didn't want to go for four and be on row three. He wanted to go for the two, get the clean air, knowing that, hey, late race yellow at Dover, this thing's probably going to be sloppy. Bank it on some yellows to take some of the green laps out of it to allow him to, you know, only have to worry about, you know, 10 laps under green of the 25 versus a long run. Well, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, restart, Malik uh, quickly falls through the field as expected after the restart, and Ottinger takes the lead. But quickly, it's caution. It's Graham Bolin, Ray Alfala, Briar LaPrade, and others crash. And it was like multiple incidents. A ton of the fast cars were torn up in this one. And this is the, uh, the crapshoot part of the night, right? Late race yellow, not even the front row is safe, but at, at this point, everyone's pushing, right? Um, I, I will say that there were points in the race where, uh, you know, I think people showed a lot of restraint, right? They did give a little bit, um, despite the high caution number compared to, again, our last trip here at Dover two years ago. But, I mean, you get to restart this late, 10 to go. I mean, everybody's digging, and you have to expect that you're going to see carnage. Yeah, and so we're at 10 to go. Ottinger, Corey Vincent, lead them off. It Back to green, and uh, four wide doesn't work at Dover. And we're quickly back to caution. Uh, the nine gets a nose under Mains, who was on the bottom, and he collects Alfala in a big crash. It's messy. Uh, four wide don't work. I mean, they were struggling to make two wide work, to be honest. At times, uh, we saw moments of three wide, but... Yeah, four wide, that was never going to work in that situation. And uh, yet we want up a bunch of more fast race cars. And again, helping our race leader, Nick Ottinger, that takes some more green flag laps out of the equation. And he's got to start thinking about another restart. 
Yeah, and now five to go. It, again, is Ottinger and Vincent up front. Um, Nick gets this huge jump, uh, and then Bobby is side-by-side side with Corey, but gets loose on the inside of that backstretch and just literally stuffs it into the wall real hard and, and of course, comes back up into the traffic for another big one. And it's uh, it's tough because we were just talking with a lot of these guys, right? I mean, we had the earlier incident uh, that involved, um, you know, Zelensky and now an incident here where you're talking about guys who are in a position to get a good points night. You have had speed all night long and you kind of get coaxed into everybody else is going 110 percent would you like to take the p4 sure but when someone's fighting with you are you gonna push you're gonna push and you got a couple of guys who overstep that and throw away some good points nights and so it's overtime uh, restart number one Ottinger vincent lead them off nick gets a monster restart again leaving early and catches them sleeping uh checkered flag at the second straight win in the coke series um, and his last five finishes have been second, fourth, third, first, and first. Man, that sounds like a championship. Yeah, I know we've spent a lot of time earlier in the year talking about Michael Conti and, and some of these other names, right? Um, you know, Conti's got his two wins. He had two coming into this. You got Femiol at the surprise winner early. Steven Wilson's having a career year who's right there, but four races or i should say in six races four races in which he started on pole he's got two wins he only has one finish outside of the top five and that was in the season opener um i'm completely comfortable saying that nick ottinger is the driver to beat team conti has had ridiculous speed in that technical alliance that's why they're starting up front i mean it's not like nick ottinger squeaked him out for pole he was a tenth and change ahead of the second fastest car and you know he started with all those polls early in the year right and wasn't able to to win off of that right started on pole in daytona didn't win pole in vegas didn't win pole in atlanta didn't win now he still had good results but ironically enough first win of the year came after he didn't start on pole in the bristol dirt race right so we come into this race he's up front we're asking our question he's a good car we know he's got speed can he translate it and even getting off cycle on the strategy tonight was able to get the job done and i would put nick ottinger at the top of the power rankings he is the guy to beat right now and i would not be surprised if he ends up with five of these things before we even get to the playoffs yeah and a few people whining about you know, he's leaving so early, but hey, it's the same rules for everybody. Um, we don't have a restart zone. I mean, our restart zone is when the pace car pulls off to the green, to the checkered flat or to the, you know, line. And, you know, he went early and it's, and it's official and it's legal. And the guys behind him, you know, they can be on the gas and the brake too. But, uh, man, he had a huge, huge jump, like six, seven car lengths by the time they got to one. And, and he's timing it well, right? I mean, he knows what he's doing. I mean, he's in a position to maximize um, and, and fire off center of the corner, right? I mean, that's why I think, again, he had confidence in doing that on the two tires. The fact that he knew he'd be in control of the restarts. Really, the thing that helped him the most was when Bobby was back there is he would fire off and they'd be fighting for second. And when they're fighting for second behind him, he's able to open a gap. Ironically enough, at the end of this race was the best restart we saw all night long for those drivers behind, in, you know, in the battle uh, for second spot uh, where Corey Vincent got away clean and it still didn't matter. A couple other notes. Uh, sad to report Colin Bowden's uh, power went out in his house on the last lap, 10 feet from the checkered flag, apparently. 
was Ooh. running P13, but the server scores him P26. Absolute travesty. Yeah, that is, uh, that, that's a tough pill to swallow for Bowden because he was somebody who was in a pretty good spot all night, doesn't even end up on the lead lap, comes home in 26th position. Uh, you know, that's a team that's looking for a win, right? I, not even just a race win, but just a positive, right? Take something out of the race, and uh, it's not been a good start for E-Racer. Yeah, so top 10 was Nick, uh, Corey Vincent, great run. Steven Wilson, always up front. Femi Olat, Zach Novak, Matt Busa. Uh, great run for Zach, finally. Uh, Dylan Duvall, great run for him, too. Taylor Hurst up there in eighth. Casey Kerwin and Blake Reynolds top out the top ten. Yeah, it was, uh, It was. you know, we saw a lot of different names up there, right? It wasn't a race dominated by any one guy. I mean, you know, I not to put Michael Conti down because Michael Conti still leads 53 laps in this race, right? I'm saying Nick Ottinger is the guy to beat. Those guys, Technical Alliance, Team Conti cars. I mean, you got to watch both of them, right? Conti leads 53. Uh, you had Malik Ray who got those kind of cheap three by by staying out. He ends up falling back down to 20 seconds, so that doesn't pay out here. But, you know, Bobby Zelensky had a good night. Doesn't translate into anything. He finishes in 29th position. Um, but guys like Femi Olat, right? P4. I mean, you talk about, yeah, you know, nobody was expecting him to get the season opening win at Daytona, but he's not just riding, you know, those points. That's not the reason why he's still in the conversation. He's having good points nights. He's competitive at every single racetrack. So um, I think that some of the vets who have struggled to this point, uh, you know, in this championship need to start getting worried because we're getting halfway, right? Novak, Leahy. Luza, all outside of the top 15. Those are names that I would almost consider a lock. Even further down, Clampett's not in the top 30. Uh, you know, Vicente Salas is out of the top 25. Ray Alfala in 29th position. So there's a lot of vets who have been booted out of the playoff spots so far by the Steven Wilsons, by the Femi Olats, by the Taylor Hurst, the Garrett Maines, the Colin Keisters. So uh, it's been a fascinating start to the season. Yeah, you know, early in the race, I was wondering why you guys haven't called out Keegan Leahy at all. And I, I watched the running order, and oh, he's 22nd. I mean, he was, he, he's had a tough time. It has not been uh, a year to remember for, for Keegan. Uh, you look at his results this year, right? Started okay in Daytona with a ninth. Uh, but, you know, it, it's it's been a bit of bad luck, right? I'll give him credit. Um, you know, he started third. In Vegas, finished 17th. Started 5th at Atlanta, finished 10th. Started top 10 at Richmond, finished 29th. But then it started to slip, right? Started 14th last week at Bristol, finishing 33rd. And then here tonight, starting 35th, finishing 28th. Um, so at the start of the year, had speed in qualifying. Didn't put it together in the race. But once you take a trench like that, and then you have a couple of weeks in a row with bad Q efforts, he's in a big, big hole. Yeah, yeah, but... Anything can happen. Let's talk uh, the future. Uh, we talked about the watch party in Charlotte, uh, but what's going on for the next race? Yeah, well, of course, uh, we're getting closer and closer uh, to the midway point of this season, and uh, we'll cross the midway point of this 14-week regular season in two weeks' time on Tuesday, May the 10th, at the virtual Kansas Speedway um, for round number seven, right? A um, couple of it bigger tracks uh, on the docket. Uh, 100 laps at Kansas, that's not a long one. 100 laps at Charlotte, a little bit after that. So, uh, you know, I think we're going to be looking back in the notes. What happened in Vegas in round two? What happened in Atlanta in round three? three with another duo of two intermediate racetracks coming up we'll see if people you know who struggled in those early races in march have they learned now that we're racing into may 
or is it still going to be the same faces up front? I think that's going to tell a lot about how people are figuring out or how many people may not be figuring out these next-gen cars so far. All right. Very good. Evan Pasoko, thanks for coming on. Let's talk and coke racing with us. And uh, hey, we'll see you next time. Thanks for having me. We'll uh, catch you after Kansas. guys so first up for us is a first up for esports uh this was uh, posted on iRacers lounge website and it is the first ever uh special event featuring the big blocks at charlotte so this is called the Di- dirt car digital dash it's a, a big block modified race at the charlotte um, motor speedway um, dirt track and uh, it's going to be coming up on May 4th and 11th. It's got a pretty intricate um, uh, format for the uh, qualifying and advancement. And uh, you can, um, it's $1,000 to win. So it's a pretty, uh, pretty uh, high priced uh, prize pool there for, especially for a dirt track uh, special event. Um, I will give you um, second place is seven hundred fifty dollars, five hundred for third, two fifty for fourth, a hundred dollars for fifth. So the um, the uh, money pays out all the way down to P twenty four if you make the feature. So sounds like even if you make the feature, you're going to get some money out of this. It's a total prize purse of thirty six hundred and twenty five dollars. So um, it's spread over two days and but one week apart and follows uh, the traditional dirt car esports format, which consists of three separate rounds of racing, the qualifying round, the preliminary round, and the final round. All races will be um, contested using the default fixed setup for the big blocks at Charlotte. So you don't have to go crazy uh, spending tons of time modifying setups or anything like that. It's all fixed. So that's uh, pretty cool. The qualifying round will be on May 4th, where where everybody who's entered will be divided up at random in individual sessions of 24, maximum of 24 cars in a two-lap time trial session. Uh, to set the, that's going to set a starting grid for a 30-lap feature, and the top 12 finishers from each feature will transfer to the preliminary, ra- preliminary round the following Wednesday, May 11th. And then preliminary, preliminary round contestants will then be divided into two separate sessions, both running one complete racing program, including hot laps, qualifying, heats, last chance concies, and the feature. So the top 12 feet finishers from each feature will then transfer into the final round and that's the final round where um, the top 24 will be set it's a 50 lap feature finale and uh, like I said everybody in that up to 24 um, will be getting a payout from that uh, particular event so registration um, is now open and uh, the early registration is from Saturday the 30th um, with the entrance fee of $25. So $25 to enter. Any driver who enters Saturday, Sunday, May 1st through May 2nd will receive a late payment registration of $35. So if you register early, you're going to p- save uh, $10 on the entrance fee. This is coming up quick. I mean, uh, 
registration is now it's coming up real soon now what's interesting to me is iRacing is literally uh you know promoting a cash money race uh which i don't know if i've if we've seen that before but it is on iRacing.com yeah you're right mike uh, typically these um special events are just you know just for prestige basically you know there's no uh, money payout and there's typically no entrance fee as well so it's kind of interesting i don't know if it's because they're um they're pairing up with anybody there's no official sponsor right um third car digital dash i don't see it like a like a um corporate sponsor or anything that's tied to this well when you go to register it takes you to dirtcar.com and um you know that's that's called dirt car esports which i presume is just some league you know so it is interesting that iRacing is uh publicizing this when they really haven't done that in the past all right i'll take this one this is the big story of the week i was kind of hoping we could ignore it and just let this one go by but there was too much chatter uh in the in interwebs about it but basically uh this guy put out a video and he's saying there's a brake exploit if you drag your brakes. His name was Pablo GZ and uh, he did a YouTube video kind of showing the exploit as he calls it, where he basically on the outlap before qualifying, going between 25 and 30 mile an hour, sawing the wheel back and forth while dragging the brake and the throttle at the same time. Um, he would just do it in certain corners, not the whole way around, um, and so forth. And so he claimed that, uh, and well, what's happening apparently in the, the Porsche series and other, you know, road series is this is apparently commonplace now where the drivers are all doing it because, you know, supposedly of the advantage. Now we've had, uh, responses to that, <laughs> Um, we've had our very own David Hall put up a video, um, where David went out and tested it himself, pulled up the temperatures, uh, after the run. And, um, he concluded that, uh, there is no exploit. It's, it's designed like a real race car should. Um, and then also we had videos from, uh, Scott Bolster, uh, who is a league, uh, manager for the league I run on Thursday nights, um, man cave after dark. And anyway, he's a real race car driver. He put up a couple videos, uh, quite long where he went and did full testing, uh, trying to recreate the, the thing. And what his conclusions were is that, and, and also David's conclusions, uh, David came to as well on his own video where basically, um, you know, you, when you drag the brake on the out lap that heats up the brake a, a little bit and any perceived gain or of time is because in the first or second corner of your hot lap, you're breaking, you're getting into the corner really good because you've warmed the brakes well on the, on the out lap. It has nothing to do with heating the tire as, this guy, you know, was saying, and so they're saying that the temperature that the carcass has, uh, Scott Bolster and David Hall, they were saying the temperature of the carcass is 
where it should be, um, you know, after dragging your brakes for one lap and, and it's comparable to real world and real world drivers do this all the time. And, and, uh, the iRacing is modeling it correctly. Now, Scott suggested iRacing make a, a, a slight change to the scrutineering of qualifying, basically saying, hey, maybe on the outlap, you have to be, you know, 80% of the time of, a, of your fast lap or something. You can't like dilly dally around at 30 mile an hour. Um, he's saying, you know, you wouldn't be allowed to do that on the real race course in real life when you're racing uh, as far as going real slow 25 to 30 mile an hour on your outlap so why do we allow it in iRacing and it's not a bad idea to fix the problem i think it's interesting because i don't think we've you know i'm not too sure how evolved the tire model is of capturing the brake heat through the rim right so i don't know I don't know if we've gotten to that point where, you know, the F1 cars would probably be the only car on the sim that would transfer that type of heat. Would it not? Like it would be, it's the only thing that might be strong enough to generate enough tire to build up tire pressure on a braking application. I, I just don't see um, where we generate enough, to do that um and and i agreed with the david watching his findings and uh this other guy that yeah if your brakes and your pads are all heated up in the way that they're supposed to any good racing brake is meant to work more optimally when it's up to temperature yeah and so i think i've walked away from this learning to drag my brake on an outlap i don't know if i've done that now david was saying he always does it and uh, some of the others on the team said that as well now, what's this thing about Dave came came or Cam? Is he leaving? Or is well, there it- was a forum. So there's a forum thread about this, obviously, and the th- the title of the thread was "Dave Cam is leaving iRacing," and it was and I don't know if that's true or not, but that was just the title of the thread. But uh, suggesting that he might leave over this uh, supposed exploit. Now, there was also a thread that was started from. None other than iRacing's own Greg West. And uh, I'm going to read part of it, but this is iRacing's basically official response to this. We appreciate your patience as we've been monitoring and evaluating the increased discussion regarding drivers dragging their brakes during qualifying sessions in order to build more temperature in the tires. First and foremost, we take this seriously. Now, I'm going to paraphrase because this is long. Secondly, it is important to note that the process of dragging brakes while warming the tires on an outlap is a commonly used real-world tactic across many levels of motorsports. iRacing's physics models take such heat transfers into account. This concept of in, it, in and of itself is not an exploit. This is simply part of the process of racing. We are aware of everyone's concerns regarding qualifying scrutiny and currently have our team evaluating what the most appropriate course of action is in both the short term and over time to minimize exploitive behaviors and to keep the on-track action as realistic as possible. I say that we are the first option we're looking at is making the qualifying sessions more transparent. The ability to view your fellow drivers during qualifying would make those sessions more entertaining while you're waiting, but also would allow for community policing of unrealistic driving behaviors. We are evaluating our qualifying scrutiny systems to improve the detection methods of unrealistic driving behaviors. 
And yeah, so I thought it was a nice response from iRacing. What do you guys think? Um, do you think, and I was just thinking of this, um, I know we've had, you know, there's been, I guess, do we call it a cheating, cheating exploits over the past 15 years of iRacing? There's always been, there's always something people find out how to, you know, warm tires, figure something out, find the grip on the track type thing. Do you think this part right here is just we're getting to a point where there's so many members on iRacing that it's going to be so hard to keep up with every single thing that's found. And even if it's a tenth of a second or something like that, that's an exploit, um, iRacing might just never be able to keep on top of them all. Yeah, but obviously they're all over this. Um, they they watch the same stuff I do, obviously. The chatter, the forums, social media. I mean, people were talking about it. Um, that video, the initial one the guy put out, it got, it, it got, a, it, it made the rap. A lot of people saw it. Well, my question would be, um, is it is it really a hack if it works in real life? As long as you're not like abusing it, you know, doing things on the track that um, would be out of the ordinary for normal racing. You know, they had the they had the one hack where people would uh, you know, go really super duper slow on the warm up laps and uh, just and um, and and do something for their tires. You know, hold holding the brake in and and burning up their tires and and stuff like that. Um, but if you're just, if you're just dragging the brake to get some heat into it on the outlap of, uh, of a qualifying session, is that really a hack or is it just, you know, what works in real life? Yeah. And that's exactly what those guys were saying in the response videos. So, um, Scott Bolster, he, his video was quite long, like almost an hour. And, and he goes into the, the nitty gritty about why this happens and, how it works in real life and how I racing is matching it. So he really talks you into it because he's very knowledgeable actually. And, uh, um, so if you're interested in a, a deep dive into this, I definitely recommend his videos. I, I think Mike, where you're figuring the biggest problem that people are having is, is like, say you're doing, I don't know, using a, a GT three or car or something at, um, Watkins Glen and it takes like a minute something to go around the track and you spend three minutes dragging the brake around the track that's not realistic it's more of yeah you can speed up slow down and you say take two minutes instead of a minute 50 seconds whatever the lap is um to go around the track but you're heating your brakes up and doing it like it looks like a professional is doing it not where you're dragging you you no driver in real life unless they're doing a burnout, holds the brake completely to the ground and then gives it full throttle to heat the brake up for a consistent uh, period of time. Well, and I think, I think what Scott was saying at the end was, you know, hey, let's say I go out and run my qualifying lap, but I don't drag my brake at all on my out lap. I'm going to have a slower lap. And, but the reason is, is not because the tires got hotter because the guy who dragged his brake is because his brakes were got hotter and he was better under braking in the first couple corners because mine were cold and his were warm. That was the difference. That's the only difference in time. Yeah. So, you know, like you said, if we put a little bit of a penalty on of, 
not take, you know, you can't take three minutes to do your out lap um, when you have eight minutes to do, you know, a full qualifying. If someone's only going to do one qualifying lap and is offered two and they take like three minutes to do an out lap, I think there needs to be, like you said, a percentage of whatever your time is that your fastest time you go around, you have to be within that percentage so that you, uh, you know, a lot, you're not DQ'd or you're, you would get DQ'd if you go out of that percentage. I'd be okay with it. You know, a real tight, you know, outlap uh, that is, you know, highly scrutinized. I think the biggest difficulty there too would be is like some of the guys, you know, some people are new and can be really slow. So it's got to be, I guess if you, if it's always based off of yourself and it's a percentage of yourself slap, then it won't be the big problem. Right. Well, I'm about to take a deep dive into road racing. So it's kind of an interesting topic as I prepare for that. Did we beat that dead horse enough, as David would say? Let's uh, talk help wanted. Tony, what do you got? Um, I am going to guess it is a web developer that is needed. Uh, <laughs> I'm having a problem with my links here. They're not opening up nicely. Um, so I, I can just read uh, what's after the, the backslash on the link. Here, I'll take it, Tony, for you. Um, You're having the issues too, eh? Why is it not reading? It's not working for me. You guys hear me? Yeah, I got you. All right. So that it is a web developer, but uh, that they're hiring. Um, so they're looking for someone that has lost you. So are you guys having problems with my mic? I got you now. Okay. So they're looking for two to five years of experience with react and uh, redo skills. Um, or react and redo skills, uh, experience with, as a part of, uh, software development team um obviously they got to be a u.s citizen it looks like to do this um it'd be interesting to see what type of uh why would they be hiring a web developer if they were going away from the web-based part of it which is the one thing i would wonder it says right here in daily job duties develop new iRacing ui and other iRacing apps using react and redo so after uh, they go away from it, they want to do other stuff? Well, we're going to be talking about iRacing apps here later in the show. So that's an interesting. Um, but the UI, um, we knew they, they were uh, making some, some differences there. Pretty cool. I love to see the group uh, growing. You, you, I wonder if it's growing. I mean, we don't know if people have left and this is a replacement or are they adding. It kind of reads as they're adding. You know, based on the like, like uh, Tony pointed out, they're they're talking about sp very specific stuff, UI and the app. Okay, Brian, top five tips for iRacing by the Simpit. Yeah, this is um, a video on YouTube posted from the Simpit, um, and it's actually not uh, Sean Cole who normally does their videos on Simpit. It's kind of surprising to see somebody different there. So. What they did was they listed their top five tips for iRacing. So these are just general tips. It's not necessarily racing related. It's just the overall iRacing tips. And I'll give you the top five, the, the top five list that they went through. Number one was buy only what you need, which uh, seems self-evident, uh, self but um, I know some people who, who run VR and buy digital displays. Uh, nobody, uh, nobody I can think of, maybe me, but um, you can't see a digital display in, in iRacing if you're in VR. So you don't really need that, but it's pretty cool. 
but um, or but buy all the content, hundred percent content right, people right. like uh, Greg. Yeah, we lost your mic. But yeah, so uh, that's the first one. Buy only what you need, and and that is a good point, especially if you're first starting. Um, it can be intimidating how how much um, how how much content there is to offer, and of course, all of it's paid paid to own for the most part. If you want to expand beyond the rookie levels, um, but you know, my suggestion, and I I told this to Tyler when he first started iRacing, is you know, pick your discipline that you want to start in, and just focus on that. Start buying the tracks to advance in that one discipline, and then over time, then if you start um, having interest outside of uh, outside of that, then then start expanding it. And that way, you're not you're not buying all that stuff up front, you know. So. Um, and that, and that goes the same thing with hardware. Um, buy buy what you need. If you're if you're going to be um, if you're going to be racing a car that uh, that doesn't need a H pattern shifter, you won't, shouldn't need to buy an H pattern shifter. Another thing to uh, take into consideration too is like when you are buying stuff, make sure you take the take advantage of their discounts when you buy you know three three pieces. So don't try not to buy just one piece. Buy buy three at a time. That'll uh, save you a little bit of money. Yeah. Wouldn't um, also having a full season, uh, you know, it's a full tw- twelve-week season gets you a little bit of a discount too. So if you pick a series on one car, you can get some money to go to towards next season too, right? Yeah, you get credit for uh, participation uh, minimum requirements. So yeah, if you if you do uh, do a, pick a a, a um, discipline that you want, you know, make sure you race in the required number of races to get the credits for uh, more purchases. That's always a good, good tip. Thanks, Greg. Yeah. This, yeah. There was another buying strategy that I used um, when I first came on, and that was, you know, as I was making my way, uh, preparing myself to join the NIS series, I was only buying tracks that would complement that. And um, at the same time, I was buying tracks that I knew I'd be hitting multiple times just so I could get the most bang for my buck. But I think it took me, I wasn't in a hurry either. So, you know, it took me, I think, two full years to, to get the, the full NASCAR um, uh, series, all the tracks for NASCAR. But I always doubled up, tried to, any, any tracks that we were at twice or more, those are the ones that I always hit first. I think the... The other thing too would be, wouldn't you, um, you get like, if you're an oval fan and you're a NASCAR fan, if you bought one cup car, one Xfinity car and one truck and you get a track every couple of weeks, you're at least getting a chance to run a lot of different races at a time. If you're an oval fan, because they usually hit them around the same time all the time. Yeah. One of the strategies mentioned too was, um, wait till week 13 and buy for the next 12 weeks all at once. So then you get that quantity discount Tony was talking about uh, instead of trying to buy them as you go one at a time. Okay. So um, that was number one. Number two was the crew chief app. Now, um, you know, this is a uh, third party app um, and it's, um, I I believe it's free. I think you can donate to the website if you're, if you really enjoy their service, which, which I did because I use it a lot and I really appreciate those guys who put it out and they keep updating it all the time, but it's a great app um, because it is your crew chief and your spotter. And if you're in VR, it recognizes voice commands. So you can give the, 
give the your um, crew chief voice commands to make changes to your car. Um, they had the the uh, pit stall countdown, which is a great feature. Um, a lot of great things in crew chief, and it's very customizable. The um, the uh, the amount of adjustments you can make on that uh, on their adjustment page is just kind of intimidating because there's just so much to do. But it's a very solid app. Um, there's other apps that do certain things just like that. There's a tons of third-party apps, but they recommended Crew Chief, and um, and I use it I still, agree. and and I agree. Yeah, I, I I can't tell you how much I love Crew Chief app. I it's indispensable because I run it in addition to the iRacing spotter, and so it's it's almost like it is it is like having two different spotters at the same time. And they call their calls not at the same time, too. I mean, sometimes they overlap. But, you know, like I was racing at Dover, and I was wondering if I, when I was going to be clear of the guy I was going by. And one of them said clear before the other one did. But just to have that extra second, oh, I, you know, I got the information, you know, a half second earlier or whatever, it was invaluable. And so... Um, and in fact, it was the crew chief app that called it earlier than the actual iRacing spotter. Um, but but to have the the crew chief guy, and then I have the female spotter uh, voice uh, from that app, and then I have the Australian guy from the the iRacing spotter, all in my ear talking at the same you know at the same time. And I I love that type of information, so it's a must have. Just don't, here's a pro tip: don't. Uh... Like one of our teammates, uh, he's not on very often, but uh, he has his uh, his voice commands when he calls for his pit crew, the same as our his, our chat. So every time we think he's ta- talking to us, he's giving his uh, crew chief voice commands. Get another button, right? <laughs> yep, <laughs> yeah, definitely. It was always funny when he say four tires, and he thought we'd think he's talking to us, and it's no, he wants four tires. I, uh, so we'll move on to number three, and that is trading. We all know the benefits of trading paints, but you know. Trading paint allows you know, opens up a, a multitude of paint schemes you can p- select for yourself, um, and you'll be able to see everybody else's paints that they have either custom made or or used from their website uh, painted on their cars as you're racing, which is really, really cool because if you don't, a lot of people just don't even worry about their um, their i racing paint schemes, and you'll just see some really basic plain cars because you're not catching the trading paints skins over top of it. Um, and trading paints really opens up a whole new uh, level of interest in i racing, where you can you can be your own um, car painter. You know, you, you can get a, a program like GIMP, which is a, a free program to to layer on um, layer on your uh, paints, and it's a whole different um, whole different discipline in, in this uh, game that you can open up a whole new world where you can you know if you're if that's your thing where you like painting cars uh trading paints opens up possibilities that are, are just endless as far as uh painting and designing your own cars yeah and so for new people in iRacing that haven't heard about it that's key i think uh, you definitely need to be running trading paints Right. And even, like I said, even if you don't then to paint your own cars, you can still just pick one out that you like maybe better than what the uh, default settings are, and you'll be able to see everybody else's car on the track with you. So, uh, yeah, definitely, even if you don't get into painting your own stuff, it's definitely a great program to run in the background. Um, 
and again, free to use. There's a up, there's an upgraded version of it, but the free version does just fine if, for uh, most of the things you can do. Uh, so the next thing that they recommend, number four, is proper FOV. So field of view is so important in iRating, iRacing to uh, to get the proper vision in your car, to get everything set properly. Um, when when you have your FOV off, you kind of lose that. You kind of get a disconnect between yourself as a driver and the the uh, world that you're driving in, and that can be that can have a lot of it can create a lot of issues um, with your perception of where um, cars are around you, where the fences are around you, where the driving line is. Um, all of those things are really important. So uh, setting up a proper FAV is is paramount to uh, having a great experience and really to maximize your um, your abilities. I think when you do get it right, it's like a bell goes off. You're like, whoa, this is different, you know, and and you know, you know, when you when you get it right that first time, it just feels right. Now I wanna the guy in the video, the way he goes, he shows how to do it, but he does it in an unorthodox way that I don't think I'm gonna recommend that to do it that way. I mean he was open up the app I and I and and flipping stuff around in there. He was um, hitting Control F12 and and modifying the the cockpit cameras and I don't think that's how you should do it. I think you do it within the sim options when the sim is launched. You know, you put in your measurements. You know, how far is your eyeball away from the can the the screen and your screen sizes and it gives you the percentage or the degrees and. And that's it. And, and you, and, you know, when you're in the car, you have an up, you have a height driver height thing in the, in the F nine menu. But other than that, you shouldn't be, I don't think you should be touching that other stuff. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I agree with you, Mike. If, if it's something that you can adjust in the, within the game um, adjustments and not have to go in the I and I, that would be my first choice. I mean, if you go through everything and you still can't get it right in the, um, in the game adjustments, then maybe start messing with the INA files. Um, but that would never be my place to go to initially. Well, they, if you guys don't use NVIDIA surround, you have to go to the INI. From what I remember, do you not? Uh, it could be. You guys yeah. run surround, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. See, I don't, I have them separated and I use the INI file. Yeah, I mean, it's not a big deal to use INI, but I think the big deal I was concerned about is monkeying up the cockpit camera permanently, you know, going into Control F12 and dragging stuff around and and um, making it maybe where it shouldn't be. See, I never had to do that part of it. I, I'm not sure why. Maybe he just wants it completely perfect or a, a certain view. Um, but I find the where I mine sits from what I did it feels like my helmet is right where it needs to be to be able to see. Like it would be like my, I, it would be, it's the same feeling I got when I'm sitting in VR of where this, the video should be as I'm sitting in the seat. And uh, we'll go on to number five, and that is NVIDIA color or reshade. So uh, we've all heard um, criticisms of iRacing. One of the biggest ones you see, especially from guys who uh, tried out for the first time, is the color balance is a little off and uh, leans a little heavy on the yellow colors. So um, NVIDIA Color, um, he shows you in the videos how to get into the NVIDIA settings. 
and uh, make some tweaks to the color to get it a little bit more lifelike and realistic. So, um, and then uh, I think Reshade is a third-party program to use that does basically the same thing, um, especially if you don't have NVIDIA GPU if you're using a, a, a different brand. So um, these are just suggestions in order to get the color bounce a little bit more realistic. Yeah, but you know, this one I'm also a little concerned about because at some point they, I thought they fixed the whole yellow thing, or, you know, they, or at least they made changes to make it better, I guess. And so is this really necessary or are they thinking about the past the way it used to be? Um, and so I don't know if I'm smart enough to, to monkey with the colors. I, you know, I want to, I want to see what iRacing is trying to present to me correctly. I kind of found this one to be an odd one to put in a top five, but I don't know. I just never thought it was that big of a deal. Like I'm sure there's like probably about 30 other things that could fit that position right there. I was going to say anybody that first starts iRacing isn't even going to notice that yellow unless they're really finely in tuned about it. I didn't even know there was a problem until we talked about it on the podcast with like four or five years into. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I think it uh, applies more to when you're dealing with uh, road courses with a lot of grass and stuff. I didn't notice it quite as much when you're on running asphalt tracks. So I don't know if it's a, if it's just a perception thing, but I never really had that much of an issue with it myself. And uh, I kind of agree. It might not be one of the top, top, top things to worry about with iRacing, but maybe something little further down the list of concerns all right then let's talk about cones tony <laughs> this one's awesome it's a the i racing guide to cone hitting and it tells you what uh, each color means uh, as well yeah i apologize i was trying to pull it up out of the uh i've got a crappy monitor and it's not always the, the clearest but Basically, what they do is they go through, you know, all the cones that you see on track, um, give a, a, a brief description uh, where to find them and uh, the likeliness of getting a penalty when you hit them or whereabouts you hit that cone um, as to where it'll uh, give you the penalty. Like, for instance, the green cone, it's uh, you, you see that one on the pit exit in groups of two. And if you hit it wrong, you can get an unsafe pit exit or a speeding in the pits penalty. Um, but if you hit it on the right side, it's the safest option. Um, so if you do it right, then you're not going to, you, you most likely won't get a penalty. But uh, so they say that one's a difficulty of four out of five. Um, the, the blue one, uh, hit it all you want. There's, there's about 90, 99% of the time you are not going to get a penalty. The um, blue one is. Like it shouldn't even be a one out of five. It should be a zero. It's the easiest one to hit, and it's probably the most hit one in i racing. But if you venture beyond the the hitting the the blue one and and you go to the right of it, right? Aren't you going? Uh, you're going to get a penalty for going unsafe pit exit. Two. Well, the track is it's the ups, upper part of the track is it. It's on the inside part of where you can go. Right, so as long as you hit the inside of it and not the outside, you're probably safe, right? No, like when you come off pit road, Mike, it's on your left-hand side, so it would be on your driver's side oh, okay. of it if I you hit get it. Because it. it's in between you and the track. Or, sorry, it's on the left side of you. You'll be going on the right side of it between the track. 
yeah, I've never seen a penalty get uh, put out for hitting that blue guy. But um, the other ones, you got to be a little bit, you got to hit them a little bit uh, special in special spots, certain spots. I guess the uh, the little orange ones are kind of in the same boat. They're a little higher difficulty just because they're smaller and a little tougher to hit, I guess. But um, yeah, check that out. That's kind of fun. It's a little fun read. And uh, maybe they need like a, a scoreboard for, for Cone's hit throughout the race. That'd be kind of neat. Well, remember uh, at the Indy 500, when you're coming out of pit road in between turns one and two, there's tons of these orange cones down low and you can just swerve down there and get yeah, 20, 30 at once. I forgot about those. I ran my first uh, Indy last year, and that's exactly what I did. I think I hit just about every one of those cones, just not on purpose. I was going to say the orange cones mostly exist on the roadside. And probably, would it not be the dirt road, too, probably would show it more? Would have it? Yeah, rally and stuff like that. Well, another uh, another. A good oval track that has the currents is if you do Phoenix, but you have the dog leg turned off because all the currents are lined up to keep you from cutting the dog leg. And, uh, man, them things just go flying, especially under yellow. Everybody wants to take them all out. But um, it's that's that's one that I remember seeing those currents just splattered all over the place. Now, you know you've been around iRacing a long time when you remember when you could drive through cones. Yeah. Yeah, it used to be a thing. All right, uh, let's move on to the Skip Barber Formula iRacing Series. Brian. Yes, guys. So um, this was uh, the um, Skip Barber Series. This um, particular week was held at Sebring. Um, and the uh, sprint race was won by Deegan Ferdo. Matt Adams was second. Nicholas Mateo, third place in the sprint. And the finale was won by Mikhail Getty, who is just dominating this series. Matt Adams, second. And uh, Guillemere Levesque was third. Um, with, with that win in the um, feature, that wraps up the championship for Mikel Getty. So he's going to take the championships in this uh, Skip Barber series, and he gets the grand prize of all grand prizes to be a, a full-time racer in the Skip Barber uh, series in real life. So um, he's a European driver, so some accommodations might have to be made to get him shipped over to the good old U.S. And um, But, man, what a, what a great deal. Um, Mikel just really – just dominated all season long in this cars. He was so good. And um, yeah, so, uh, so congratulations. I think we have another week left. So, uh, but this, this, this series has already been wrapped up as far as uh, the championships. And we finally see some points. Uh, they list the points. He won by over 36 points over a second. So well done. So he has the championship because the max is 35. So he wins it. Even if he doesn't race the last race, he wins by one. That's what I presume, yeah, because they announced that he won it. Yep, he is uncatchable in the points. And um, again, he's he's not winning by a little bit. He's winning by you know several seconds. Yeah, uh, three and a half, almost four seconds. He won the the feature race by. Okay, cool. I'll take this one. We got the World of Outlaws Butt Kicker Late Model Series coming up quick, and we have the um, qualifying uh, starting uh, next week. And we have a schedule out at iRacing.com. And um, 
it starts May 2nd at Kokomo, May 9th and May 16th, all through May and then the first week of June. And uh, so that was the qualifying series. And then there's a drop week and then they go right into the World of Outlaw Late Model Pro Series starting July 25th and ends October 3rd. Was anybody able to qualify for this? Was it an open thing? I think, yeah, you just run the official race, I believe. Okay. So a couple of things to note here. This is the first uh, season for Butt Kicker as the official sponsor for these um, for these uh, World Outlaw series, I think they they will be also the sponsor for the uh, sprint cars when they come around. Um, and um, it's been a little while since the late models have uh, been on the track in the World Championship, but the last time they were out, the the racing was just fantastic. I mean, it was it was better than the sprint cars as far as the uh, the uh, the side by side, you know, bumping and type stuff. Um, it was it was. The championships came down to the last race where two guys were just a couple of points apart in the finale. Um, it was just a great series. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this one coming back up again because it was so competitive um, and, and the racing was so tight and so fun to watch. Now, I'm remembering we had a challenge watching because it was on a, what was it, Dirt Vision or some other thing? Um, that was actually the sprint cars did that new. Um, oh, okay. It would... It would, um, yeah, you would, there would be a delay between the, the sprint car airing on dirt car, dirt vision and the, um, the iRacing. So sometimes we didn't even have the race available on the iRacing's YouTube channel until after our show was already over. But, um, they did clean that up in the, in the sprint cars this past year. And hopefully it stays that way for the, uh, late models. Okay, cool. This is a big one, Greg. Uh, we got us an app. Well, we've had Austria. the iScheduling app is what we've been using, right? <laughs> yep, iScheduling so, app. Um, I guess uh, they are coming out with, looks like iRacing is going to start releasing their own app, third-party app here to, um, to uh, they're calling it the iRacing companion app, will require uh, an iRacing account user to, uh, with, that will include the following features. So um, you can see your license, statistics, fastest laps, uh, explore all iRacing series, mark your favorite, filter license, categories, setup types, uh, your eligibility and more, explore all of the iRacing cars and tracks with filters by ownership, content, release price. Um, you can add a reminder for up- upcoming races, including your favorite series, uh, and get the latest news and stories. Hey, Greg. Um, Sorry, I just wanted to interrupt you just for a quick minute. Um, now, you had mentioned about the, uh, um, was that uh, the iRacing or the iSchedule app? Now, see, that already does all of that and it does it really, really well. The, the really cool thing about this as to what you're reading is uh, Vicente, um, uh, I, I can't H-tray. remember his name. Mysterio? Yeah. Yeah, so he he did such a good job of building this app that iRacing bought it, and they they basically brought him onto the team, um, and they're going to continue using this app, um, and 
it's kind of like a, a springboard to the official iRacing app, but it's it's going to basically be this Every iSchedule app type thing. Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I was I know we were chatting. Someone I think David posted in the chat, or someone posted in our chat, and I think the first thing they said is you still can't uh, sign up for a race through it. Yeah. So that, I mean, everyone wants that. I, hopefully, they can add it. But like like Tony said, they're they're just going to start out with I, what I schedule currently is, and then add to it. You know, hopefully something, uh, some more features and stuff. But it's a great app already. I mean, we talked about it just a couple weeks ago on this show, and and then boom, all of a sudden, iRacing buys it. I mean, it, it's cool, and and I think it's time that we need an app. Uh, you know, if we, if they could do a little bit better with the stats and like let's like they said, let's sign up for a race. I want to pull up hosted and I want to be able to you know click it and sign up for it. You know, and then I can walk into my rig and and race. But when I you know I can sit on the couch when I'm with my family and do it from my iPhone. Uh, you know, getting prepared for the race uh, remotely. Why not? Let's do it. Now. Would it be hard for the app to work with the program when it's the UI more than the web-based? Would that make a huge? I'm not. I'm not familiar of how it would work with the app sending the information to register for a race once they go to the UI. But is that possibly why that has never happened? Well, could be. Remember um, the reasoning for forcing everybody to the UI during the special events is they didn't want people registering from two different sources and it caused conflicts. So I don't know if they're going to be able to do that part or not, but even if they don't, I mean, I like I schedule and, uh, you know, congratulations to Vincent. I mean, you know, hard work pays off. I mean, he saw a need, he filled it and now iRacing's picked him up and he's working for him. <laughs> it's so cool. Now, we also found a video uh, talking about iSchedule and all the different features of it. Of course, you can find that on our script as well. Okay, this uh, Brian, we got AI for F1. Yeah, this came by way of a um, another uh, iRacing YouTube uh, video, which is, again, their videos are so good. It's so good. So um, this is for the uh, Mercedes-AMG F1 W12E Performance now has AI. Um, so everybody who's uh, looking to uh, create their own races for um, for this new F1 car, um, AI is available so you can get some test races in before you go out there on the server and start racing with the other folks. Um, really cool to see. Uh, they're obviously putting a lot of time in this F1 car to get as many um, features available for it as possible. Um, um, there's a, you know, the new season of F1 started. They're getting more tracks all the time for uh, F1. Um, and, uh, you know, and supposedly they're going to be working on the W13, the next, this year's model, uh, at some point to, to release that too. Nobody so. wants it. <laughs> that's what I've heard. It's not a very good Mercedes. It's, yeah, well, Said that's Lewis. true. But, but any, any F1 car is better than no F1 car, I guess. I just think the new F1 cars look so, they're so rare looking. They're, they're, they're really neat because they're, they all have their distinct uh, features of them this year compared to what they had um, with these cars. The older car looked more the same by the end. 
the timing on this is great for me. I mean, my Italian cube controls wheel shipped. I get it on Wednesday. I'm going to need to set it up. And uh, what a better way to do it than to get into a F1 AI race and, and get all my buttons mapped, you know, and get, you know, everything's set and I don't have to mess up anybody and I can practice. So um, this is probably what I'll do to start my road career over is I'll just get really comfortable with the AI before I step into a real race. So, yeah, the, like I said, the video is really cool. The only kind of disturbing thing is, is that all the cars on the track have the exact same Mercedes uh, uh, paint. And that's kind of gets a little a little boring, to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, come on, guys. Let's get some Red Bulls out there. Let's get uh, yeah, Aston Martin, the McLarens. Let's get all these cars scanned. That you won't know? happen. <laughs> I know. EA yeah, and Codemaster won't give out those. Okay, the answer to this, though, is the guy from iRacing, I think it's probably Steve Myers or somebody, who negotiates for this, he needs to negotiate. Hey, Mercedes, you know, even though you, uh, you know, it's your car and everything, we we want to be open to putting other colors on it and other sponsors. And no, I don't think that'll ever happen. With you, just they'll, they'll just never sign that deal. That that deal just will never. That probably could be a deal breaker for them because yeah. that car brand is, identity. It's identity. It's yeah. its identity. I mean, I don't. When I run that car, I run a yellow and white paint scheme. It sucks that it has to be so generic, and not very many sponsors you can put on it. But I cannot stand have seeing that many Mercedes cars on the track, like Brian was saying. Yeah, that's the only. That's the only downside of this. Um, is you know because they lock the ability to do custom paints on those, right? Um, so you can't go crazy on paint schemes and make it look like another manufacturer's car, which, which I can kind of understand. Uh, you know, Mercedes kind of went out on a limb to allow uh, iRacing to uh, to have the access that they do, and and they just don't want it to be uh, shared through other manufacturers by just taking their car and slapping another manufacturer's paint on it. Well, Lame. And, hold on, so, sorry, Brian. I was going to say, Mike, you're um you're you've been on the sim long enough to remember when trading paints didn't even exist right so it was just the generic couple color schemes and that's all you could do in the in the one paint booth and you'd have that you could change the color uh and the whatever patterns they came with and that was it um and then you would all be always be running one manufacturer so like when they had just the ss um for the cup series it was just you know that's all you were running so you'd have a lot of guys that had paint jobs that were pretty close so that was like a hundred years ago it's like 2022 get your head out of your butt it's not that big <laughs> of a deal it's some paint come on all right uh next up we had a patch it was patch time last week but it got postponed and remember, uh, Tyler Hudson had given us some clues about what would be in the patch. And I think we were speculating PGA one. Um, but this week I did find uh, in Discord a comment from Tyler Hudson uh, that happened previously that uh, was in reference to that patch that got postponed. 
And by the way, it is rescheduled now for next week. And so here's what he says. Heads up, the, uh, <clears throat> the patch is going to include new car physics, new aero, and the new damage model on the cup car. Just wanted to give you guys a heads up. So Heck I think yeah. next week we have the new damage model. Okay, so do we start the uh, pool right now of uh, how long the new damage model lasts before they take it out? I would say when's I'm going to put my race? money on before the next Coca-Cola race. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. When's the next curse race? I got that number. Well, I mean, they've, they've only been working on this damage model for this car for, what, like two years now? I think we can make it last past one Coke race. Come on. Come on. I was, was going to say, they need to... Um, what's that company that does that crash stuff, that BLM, or not BLM, but B, BGM or something like that, that has a BMG. program? BMG, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But, um, you know, I kind of give them a little bit of a pass because... You know, that car was never really finalized until NASCAR's season really started when you knew that that's what they were going to stick with. So, um, you know, they didn't want to probably go through all the trouble of making a damage model for a car that might have been modified before the before the season started. And now that it has, maybe they've put a little bit more, put you know, put some time into actually making it happen. I don't know. I'm trying to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, but that's that's my best, uh, that's my best uh, defense of, of the delay. It's I was also say after Mike. I was going to say after watching this season so far with this new Cup car in real life, do they not have to make the car more durable in iRacing than it is already? Because if you touch the wall in iRacing with the car right now and you screw up the fenders, that's it for you. But it doesn't seem like that's a huge. You know, they don't really bend the fenders in anymore. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think the exciting thing here is new car physics and new aero. You know, and I presume that the adjustments they're making are based on what we see in real life uh, through the season up till now. Like you said, it, how does the car react when it gets, hits the wall? You know, do they need to adjust that? Um, you know, and then arrow adjustments and so forth. So I'm curious to see how the car will be different after the uh, patch. So you said it was next week, right, Mike? Yeah, I think it was either Tuesday or Wednesday. Well, that actually works out really good because that's, like Darlington's next week, so maybe that stripe isn't going to kill us. Yeah, because if you get a lot of damage just from touching the wall, forget about it at, at, at uh, Darlington. Forget it. All right. Next up, we have a crazy video iRacing put out today, which is actually a stream from uh, Daniel Morad, and they ran Pro 4 trucks at Road Atlanta. And you're thinking, well, how does this work? Well, it actually looks freaking awesome, like way fun, cutting the track. I mean, like way cutting the track. I mean, like as they go down to the chicanes, they just go straight right through the grass, right through everything, and uh, and and uh, it's pretty crazy. I just is saw my favorite paint job in there on one on the video. The Jurassic Park paint job is like my favorite thing on these trucks. I just saw, but you're right. Not everything goes in this video. Wherever you think you can drive it, you can go. This is my kind of road racing. This looks just absolute fun. Yeah, maybe this should be our uh, Project Canine race. Uh, this looks like a blast. This would be fun. You want to um, reach out to um, to that guy who does all those cool uh, hosted races, Mike? 
on Saturday night that you do. Yeah, see if we can get this going. Yeah, because uh, this would be a great one to add to that list. I was going to say if uh, the one that would be really cool that as one part of it would be cool is Bathurst, but the rest of the track is all behind things. You'd have that one jump that you could go over, and that would be it for it. But <laughs> this, this looks like one of the best tracks to do it on. I think um, like a, a track like not Sonoma, but the other one in California. Jeez, I can't remember it. Corkscrew would be fun. Laguna Sega? Yeah, that's the one. Sorry. All right. And the other social media they put out today, they asked, do you remember your first race? And I started thinking, and I'm like, I don't think I do, actually. Do you guys remember? I don't remember. Uh, I mean, so what I I'm like you and was, Greg is- um, I can remember the first time I moved up into something significant, but... I think my first ever legends race, because that's all you got. Like you got minimal stuff when I joined with the free package or the trial package. I think it was, I didn't understand what was going on and I would run into guys. I just did not understand the whole concept of it. I was trying to be, I couldn't understand why I was like five seconds off the pace when I was in practice. It was just something just trying to get used to. Legends. I think it was Legends. Now that you mentioned that, um, but any rest. Anyway, uh, I looked at the replies, and you know, lots of good, uh, smart ass answers. But yeah, there's some people that listed their first race, and um, it's interest interesting to read. Yeah, I mean, we're not we're not Johnny Come Lately style racing. <laughs> you know, we've we've all been around for a long time. So I don't remember my first race. I know for sure it was a legend bar at Lanier. But I mean I don't know Boston what it was, Marine. but I just remember Yeah, I just remember running the hell out of it. That's all I remember. Do you remember when it was it would go one week it was Lanier and the next week it was South Boston and that's how it did for the twelve weeks. It would go back and forth and then you couldn't advance out of the rookies until you got through that twelve weeks and you had to be over a 4.0 safety rating to do it. Now, now Lisa's probably new enough that we could probably figure out her first race, right? It might have been yeah. hosted. Uh, you know what? I think you're right. I believe her first race was with one of her ladies' leagues. But she did a lot of practice and getting ready up before that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she logged tons of laps in practice. I don't my my first race like uh I, I'm the newer of of all you guys so I was um uh, my mine was street stocks and I can't I I don't remember my first race it was obviously either uh, Charlotte or um, USA International but I do remember being really nervous because I had not done any real proper driving sims it was like you know the NASCAR titles and stuff like that so. Um, you know, send it into all the corners, take out half the field. If I survived, then sweet. And I knew coming in that this was just a totally different beast. So I just, I, I do remember being nervous on my first race. Okay. We talked special events. Uh, we got the Indy 500 open has been announced. It's going to be May 20th through 22nd, four times slots all Saturday and Sunday. Um, normal rules. I'm not going to go through it, but, uh, so we have the fixed, which is the week before, um, and then the open, which is May 20th through 22nd. And then the fixed, um, the dates on that one are May 13th through 15th. 
And then looking at the calendar, the actual ND500 would be the 29th, right? The day before Memorial Day. And so, yeah, so the, the open, it appears, is going to be the, the week of the real race uh, qualifying, um, you know, the week before, if that makes sense. All right, Mike. Um, from here, we're going to go on to the Porsche Tag Heuer Super Cup Series, Week 7 at Spa. And uh, uh, the winner, actually, this is the first time in seven weeks that um, the Porsche Series has uh, produced a multiple uh, race winner. So uh, this week's winner was Zach Campbell. Again, first time he he uh, he's a second time winner for the first time this year. So uh, we had different winners all the way up to this week. Uh, so congratulations, Zach, for a, a two time winner. Didn't really get him in the top three in uh, points yet. Um, Cooper Cooper Webster finished second, and Kevin Ellis jr finished third in that race but diogo pinto who's been just really consistent this year only had one win um obviously because there's been no other repeat winners but um he's just been so consistent he uh takes the uh championship lead into week eight uh with uh kevin ellis jr finish uh with uh second in points behind him and sebastian job who again we haven't really said his name a whole lot this year um Still hanging in third. He's just been consistent enough to kind of keep uh, keep going uh, in the top three. So uh, uh, we're going to be moving on to round eight coming up in two weeks. And uh, yeah, this is uh, this series is getting close to to wrapping up almost. Um, very very good racing as always. Spa is like one of the best tracks I think to, to race on. And, uh, really cool cool deal. We're going to uh, see. Next week is going to be the Nurburgring Ring. So, yeah, that's going to be awesome. You know, I think it's like a four-lap race or something. But uh, <laughs> it's really cool. It's it's really awesome to watch that one, too, because those guys just nail that track. It's 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 amazing to see how good they are at the ring. So, um, so three, three, three tracks left, and then uh, and that'll be uh, crowning our champion, uh, champion on um, at Monza on the 4th of June. Just three race races ago, the points are close enough that nothing's been decided. So uh, let's keep checking these guys out and see how the same plays out for the rest of the season. I do have a goal of trying that track and learning it so I can be fast on it. Um, but that is a long-term goal down the road to, to do that. Because it, like you said, it's such a long lap. Uh, to be able to master it where you're fast, boy, it really takes something. We want to take a break from the show for a moment to tell you about our sponsor, Sim Coaches. Months ago, I made the switch to Sim Coaches from Load Cell Pedals. I can tell you from the experience, the difference is huge. I'm able to break deeper than my competition and be smoother on the power exiting the corner. They have helped me a ton. Right now, for a limited time, Sim Coaches is offering our audience 10% off your order. You can't find a better deal anywhere else. Use code iRacers Lounge at checkout. Head over to the simcoaches.com website and get yours now. Let's talk housekeeping. Aftermath podcast. Get it. What's going on over there, Tony? Nothing yet? 
No, no, nothing, nothing as of yet. Okay, gather the troops. Let's get it rolling. Don't forget our website, iRacersLounge.com. And we're on regular rotation over at the Performance Motorsports Network. And fantasy, what do we got? <laughs> Talladega. Um, boy, oh boy. It, uh, it wasn't the crazy that we're used to seeing. Like, there was still some pretty crazy stuff happening. But and, like they went that whole third stage, like right to the end. Nothing. It was, it was absolutely unbelievable. Um, Brian, uh, you kind of fell off the side of a cliff there. You, you fell I way sure back. Did. Yeah, I had sure one did. of my best weeks. Yeah, yeah, you and I are uh, duking it out for fifteenth or fourteenth. Yeah, we're tied for fifteenth, right? Yeah, I'm usually yeah. down in the twenties and thirties, but it was nice to have a, a nice finish there. But Greg uh, beat us out. Uh, you were tenth, Greg. I think that's tied for 10th. Second or third good week. I've just gotten lucky. I wasn't even I didn't even watch the Talladega Talladega race. I was gone all day. So I just kind of was quickly monitoring right around the stage break, saw that I needed to switch one guy out of the garage and yeah. Was just kind of playing it by luck. I didn't even watch the race. Yeah, well, you didn't really miss a whole lot. Um that ending was pretty good. They did a pretty good job there. Um but yeah, it's you kind of always expect a you know a ton of crazy happening, and it was uh, kind of like a lot of the how the races are uh, churning out. They're um, a little, uh, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe subdued. Um, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, is it time to look at the overall points and see what we got? Uh, who's got what? Am I, I mean, really tied for third? Yeah, you're third. I was just looking at that. Yeah, and not only are you tied for third, you're the only Tafosi member uh, in the top ten. Like, so way to represent. You're our only hope, Greg. <laughs> yeah, but we don't remember. We we need to give this trophy away because we, we we've gone and won, we've gone and won it, and then never given the trophy away. We we need to give it away. Well, you're not leading. Uh, we got Mean Machines 38 yeah, is the lead, and then S Rocks FX 1986 is second. Yeah, and you're tied for a third with uh, Loader Racing and um, Oh Baby 44. He's been around for a while. Uh, he's he's in fifth, and pretty okay, much the rest of us. Sorry, but I was gonna say Tony Rochette. He's um, He's about the only other one doing half decent. The rest of us kind of suck right now. We're not going to catch up. That's the thing. It's going to be hard. Yeah, well, um, yeah. Like I, I'm sitting in 21st, and I'm about 200 points from the lead. So that's still very attainable. And Brian, you're like, yeah, we're we're still in the race. Like, there's still lots of racing left. Um. You know, it's it's only like you know two three hundred points out. Um, yeah, yeah. It, there's there's still time. There's still lots of time. Remember, there's only ten ten uses, and once guys use those up, that's when that's when things start to you know really kind of um, shuffle around. All right, get those picks in for Dover. <laughs> Will this computer run iRacing? Not now.
hardware software. We got some rig reviews. Can I take this one, Mike? Yeah, this one is our uh, Daniel Morad. We just talked about him. Yeah, fellow Canadian for Tony and I, Daniel Morad. Uh, he has purchased. Lost you. I'm guessing he's been per- he's purchased um, an advanced sim racing uh, ASR6 special edition, and they have it. It's called the Maradness special edition, which, man, that is a nice setup he's got there for his whole thing. Well, he's got D-Box on the ASR6, uh, D-Box on each corner style. I don't know if it's D-Box, but it's some kind of motion. Yeah, which they offer. Like everything in this setup is top-notch quality stuff from their web from their website for advanced sim racing. Now, what intrigued me was the stuff hanging over the triple monitors. And I asked you, Greg, what is this thing hanging over the fourth monitor down in his face? It's like some kind of GoPro mount or something. Well, the one is that another camera that's there, or is that a mic? Well, he's got a, a regular, like a Nikon oh, there's the camera. Mic, yeah, but I think that's another camera that's over top. Yeah, yeah so to a... kind of give that visual of the steering wheel and and the triple monitors. So he's got a camera like this right at his forehead, basically shining down on the wheel. But the best thing about it too is like his setup, even in the background, he's got this the sound deadening foam in the back. So obviously he's got a nice room for all this. Yeah, really slick looking. He's got his trophies <laughs> on the left side of the rig kind of lined up uh, for for style, I guess. And you guys notice the lighting up above the, the monitors and stuff that take away like unsightly shadows and just give a better look? I was going to say, yeah, he's probably got, per- he's perfectly lit while he's driving there. That's wild. What a great cockpit. I mean, it, the ASR6 is... Man, I almost bought that one. I was so close. I mean, I have the ASR4, and it's it's everything that I wanted. So, All right, so we go from that to Haley Deegan has got a new rig. What did you think of hers? So they had hers delivered, um, and they show you know them loading out of a trailer... A white eighty uh, twenty cockpit, already uh, pre-built and everything, and then they show the video of them setting it up. Um, the computer that they provided for this—I uh, don't know what the company is that they got it from—but man, it's a pretty, pretty computer. It's all white, and the graphics card is white, and everything is white, and the fans are white, and oh, it's just a neat look. That's, so it's another advanced viral too. Is it? Yeah, the advanced sim racing is the, the rig. The computer is called a Viral Tech, V um, Y R A L um, computer. Aha! I'm very impressed with the computer. I can't tell you how impressed I am. She's got a Huskinville uh, uh, pedals, uh, semi cube on the wheel, um, D box motion, um, the MPI wheel, actual rim. So I mean, it's all real good stuff, obviously. Triple monitor mount, the whole the whole nine yards, and she's got yeah, her posse so- there for the setup, and then she's got her friends trying it out and loving the motion. 
So she's got obviously got another ASR six with D blocks on it. Yep. Jealous. I love the color. The powder coat color is great. The worst. The only, the only thing I don't like is the monitors aren't. She she got the ones that aren't attached to the the rig. Well, when you have motion, I mean that's kind of a problem, right? Yeah. You know, I, I have a thing where my right monitor turns off if I have a violent wreck, like the 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 DD one shakes violently. the The monitor will turn off and on. It's weird. It's like I've got a loose wire somewhere. I can't imagine if I was on motion how it would behave. So I was going to say that's two good endorsements right there for the you know advanced sim racing. And Mike, you put you put a. I think in our Discord, you turned a member on to of of our Discord to uh, advance sim racing as well. Yeah, we had one of our listeners get in there asking, "Hey, I, I'm looking for a, I want a good cockpit, but I don't want to overspin, you know, those kind of things." And and, and yeah, I mean, I I, I told him a, ASR and, and go with one of the lesser ones, like the three or the four. And then Greg, you, uh, you you jumped in and mentioned you went with the four, so. I don't know what that uh, listener decided, but uh, he's going to check them out. All right, Brian, next up we have the review uh, from Boosted Media on the Heiskenveld Sprints. Yeah, so uh, Boosted Media, media with uh, Will Ford and his brother uh, both did uh, tests and reviews of these Heiskenveld Sprint load cell pedals. Um, you know, for... They they do they compare it to like uh, the Anatec the V threes you know being that they're they're low cell and they're not hydraulic and they do consider it uh, an upgrade definitely from the Fanatec um, you know they did mention that it the one of the drawbacks that unlike Fanatec it's not doesn't have a whole uh, community of accessories that go together you know which is really nice with things like like Fanatec when you can get the pedals and wheelbase and everything that connects together. So you do lose a little bit of that with, uh, with these pedals, but, uh, but as far as load cells, they're definitely on the high end of load cell pedals. Uh, and, um, they, 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 they think that, uh, one of the things they mentioned was that, uh, it's, it's more of an immersion factor than a performance factor. They thought so. Um, it, it, the performance between uh, the two two different types of load cell pedals was not like extremely high. It was more of a um, immersion type feel. So uh, that was one of the things I got away from. The, got out of that uh, video conclusion from Will. Yeah, and the neat thing about I realized with his videos is they also do a written review in writing on their website boostedmedia.net. And I'm going to read a quote from his, his uh, conclusion. He says, these pedals represent a very strong sweet spot when it comes to sim racing pedals. While there are benefits to some more expensive pedal sets, such as hydraulics, once you get beyond the level of the sprint pedals, you need to make a significant investment for those small improvements in driving experience. In other words, these hit most of the check marks of being a good pedal and if you really want more than this, you really have to step up in price to get go to hydraulic. Did we get a price on those? I didn't. I didn't see one in, in this review, or um, or I didn't catch that part of it anyway. I did not. Uh, all right, let's move on. This one: how to set up triple monitors, 
And this one was done by none other than Anthony Alfredo. And uh, he he gives uh, his tutorial of what he how he thinks he, it should be done. And um, if you want to check out his rig and see see what he says about it, uh, it's a great video. Yeah, this kind of um, brought me back to um, some of the settings for FOV that we talked about in the uh, Simpit video because he he went directly to the INI file. You know, I've never set up triples before. You know, I've only used VR and a single monitor. So I don't know. I've never had to go through this process. Is going through the INI files um, an absolute must on this, Mike? Well, only like Greg said, if you're not using NVIDIA Surround. Yeah, because NVIDIA Surround creates one full screen for all three monitors, whereas the INI still keeps them as three separate images. And you just got to know what you're changing. And so if you do something like this, you, you should look at a tutorial and kind of understand. But he goes through and tells you exactly which ones to change and what they're doing and why he's doing it. And, um, yeah, I, I, you know, it, it's, a, it's not a bad tutorial. So Now, Mike, when, um, when you set up your triples or, or Greg, did you have enough ports for three monitors or did you have to use a, a docking station to, to get all the outputs for it? I'll take this one first, Mike. So mine comes with two HDMI. My graphics card has two HDMI, three display. Um, but VR takes a full display up and so that doesn't leave the three displays for um, running the monitors. So I had to I use my center monitor in one of the HDMI ports, and then I use the two display ports for the outside ones. And then you still have one for VR as well. Yeah, VR and the other and the other HDMI is used for my uh, Elgato stream or streaming box. Okay, and you have a thirty eighty Ti, correct? Correct. So I guess why not Nvidia surround? I just, everything I saw was a lot of it was not to use NVIDIA Surround from what I heard, but that was just, there's so much, there's, there's a hundred videos for and a hundred videos against, so it's hard to decide, right? It's for whatever maybe you get to first is a video, maybe I'll put it that way. I like easy, and the NVIDIA Surround is pretty darn easy. True. That's why, that's the way I'm doing it, but. I bet yeah. you if you pulled all of us, it would be. Probably more NVIDIA Surround. I think Bobby runs NVIDIA Surround. Tony, both Tonys. Tony's just got the one super wide, right? Tony Roche. Oh, yeah. That's right. He's one. He's a, he's a super wide now. That's right, because he did have triples. Yeah, all, my, yeah, all mine are plugged in directly uh, to the video card, all four monitors, and um, it was easy to set up. So, um, so yeah, so then this is a very similar conversation to what we had with the FOVs. Try, try the, um, the settings in iRacing and the NVIDIA, NVIDIA not, not necessarily going into the INI files right off the bat. Yeah, because if you're just using the iRacing um, software to configure FOV, I mean, you just set it as one monitor that's 5760 by 1080, you know, and um, and there's a thing that says render each screen separately. You want that on? I think I know why I did it now too, Mike. You were having a problem when you streamed your iRacing. It would oh, take that's all true. three monitors, right? Yep. 
whereas mine only pulls the center monitor. Uh, see, and even that, um, when I was streaming, I was able to just focus it on the uh, on the just my center monitor. Okay, so it is way. possible either way. Let's keep rolling. This next one, guys, was sent by our listener, uh, Doctor Oz, Ors, Doctor Ors. Is that it? Yeah, Ors. I think is his name. And this one, I'm like, take my money. <laughs> Say so goodbye is- to swamp ass. Is that what it is? This is crazy. So it's basically a racing seat that has air-cooled cold fusion built in. And they basically show this nice racing seat with, it looks like smoke, but probably more like dry ice smoke, you know, from being really cold and chilled. But, uh, yeah, it's a chilled seat. This is probably like the single best freaking invention that somebody has come up with and put out there for us i don't even want to look at the price because we don't need to go there um this is <laughs> man oh man we've all experienced this like after an hour of racing oh man you got to be doing like the you know the the wide-legged dance just to just to get everything unstuck well this will uns- keep everything unstuck for you that's not that bad the price is not extremely what i thought it would be for was it 779 euros yep from belgium i mean that's pretty i mean you're spending four four and a quarter to 500 for a decent seat as it is to have this technology in it i mean that's not a bad price you know there's one picture that shows 30 degrees Fahrenheit, 8 degrees Celsius, and it's pointing to the, you know, back of the chair. Like, wow, that's cold. And then there's another one that cold. It shows a knob, you know, where you can control the temperature. It's freaking cool. It doesn't really show how it works, but um, you know, and it doesn't appear to be bigger than a regular seat either. Like it doesn't, you know, have a big box or something for this cool, you know, whatever hardware they're using to make it cold. I don't know. I was wondering when they were going to have, um, like, I mean, you can get, they call them AC air conditioned seats in vehicles nowadays, but they've perforated holes and a fan, I think, inside the seat to, to, you, to, to create that type of cooling in, in modern cars. I, it would be interesting to see how this one actually works. So more to come on that. Um, and, and you know, when I saw this, it, it also gave me the idea of maybe I should get one of my wife's, you know, headache packs. She has these little, I think they're bags of corn that she leaves in the freezer and they get really cold and she puts them on her head. I'm thinking, oh, man, I'll get one of those and put them behind my back next time I race um, because it does get super hot you know, around my butt and my lower back because there's just no ventilation at all. So you're going to grab your wife's uh, headache uh, things that she puts on her face and stick it down your pants. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to cool down the boys. <laughs> so my problem is my basement's already freezing as it is. I need actually the opposite of this. I need a heated version. So so get to it, guys. Let's get, get a heated version of that bad boy. <laughs> well, if you came to Canada, Brian, it would be uh, it would probably be man- it would come mandatory in them because most cars are made with heated seats nowadays that come to Canada. 
Uh, the next one here is a notice from Rick Motek that they now offer the Sim Magic pedals. Now, Rick Motek is out of Florida, and um, yeah, you can get all the different versions of the Sim Magic pedals. Uh, they call them the P2000s. 869 bucks, and they are in pretty stock. Pedal. Very pretty pedal. Man, they are, but for the price, man, I'd be looking at something a little bit different but uh yeah i mean it's neat that you can buy locally if you're in the u.s now with this uh product from china now let's move on to results the nascar iRacing series talladega let's finish it up friday open p7 I actually led the most laps. 23 to go, I got hooked from behind. I may have gone just a hair high, and the guy pushing me got me. I uh, restarted 20th after that, and I got to fourth quickly. I The final run, there were tons of crazy moves and people moving everywhere, and I just didn't make the right moves. I mean, I think I was still in contention to maybe get a win, but I just, I screwed up. That was my my own doing. Tony Rochette, P-Wrecked. He said, just taken out while avoiding a wreck. David Hall, P9, making move for the win, and a guy throws a late block and puts me in the wall. Then, Greg, uh, you were wrecked out. Uh, Friday night, yeah. Friday night, I, what did I, was I joking? Sunday morning, I made it to, or for Friday night, I was like, all right, good luck, boys. We're going coming to green here. And then I came over the radio, what, 40 seconds later and say, that's my race. I made it to turn three before we, I think we had 15 cars in that wreck. All right, uh, Sunday open, Tony Rochette, P7, led some laps, but got trapped on the bottom with lapped car on, on the bottom while too wide and lost the main pack. So stuck with the damaged car pack, rest of the race, only two cautions, so ended up a lap down. Happy with the top 10 after being wrecked all week, but pissed I couldn't get more out of being stuck. Tony Groves, P13. Oh, boy. Um, huh. I forgot that I even got a start. Not a bad finish, P13. Yeah, yeah, I had to cycle up there. Um, so, I, I was doing all right for, uh, you know, the majority of this race. Like, I was top five, top 10. Um, led some laps and got taken out with, uh, you know, 10 to 12 laps to go. Um, but I'll tell you like that last 10 to 12 laps. Oh my Lord. Um, like we didn't actually finish the race. Uh, like we used up all three green, white checkers and, um, we still couldn't, you know, we, we finished under yellow. Um, but I was able to, you know, still limp the car, uh, on the lead lap, which was, you know, baffling because i really had nothing i couldn't i couldn't uh i couldn't even get the car out of third gear <laughs> all right and then david hall he got p4 and top split he led the second pack the top three and some of their lap down teammates short pitted and ran faster while off sequence when we cycled through through they were 10 seconds ahead nice run sunday fixed i ran wrecked out I was leading and pitted under yellow, and I messed up and got an end-to-line penalty. I never really recovered. 
eventually a three car pack. Uh, we caught the lead pack. I encouraged them to just go around and we did, but then tangled with someone who came up into our lane and everybody wrecked out. Um, but the fact that I can always get to the lead at some point during a Talladega race is very satisfying. Um, I led laps every start this week. I led laps. All right, let's move on to Dover. Wednesday open. David Hall, P11. He said, there's a vortex about half a straight in front of my car that makes cars wreck just so they can hit me. Erg. So Mike, P11. you missed a, a finish. I finished second at Tally on Sunday. Oh, you did? Well, tell us about it. So that one was the, um, the one where I showed the wreck, where I came out of it um, and didn't have enough momentum to keep the guy behind me that we were, I think we were, Mike, or I think David, or you joked about, did he go under the yellow line to pass me? And oh, uh, yeah. I, just, I just couldn't slow him down because it was a big wreck in the backstretch and I came through the middle of it and had to drop a gear and I just didn't have enough, enough momentum to keep him behind me and I finished second. But he did go below the yellow to go around you, but it was to avoid running you over, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go back to Dover. Uh, Kyle Pendigraph was wrecked out and I ran and I wrecked out. I got a little damage in the first caution, got it fixed, and then marched my way back up to the front, was running um, <clears throat> on the outside when uh, I touched a guy on the inside and I got sent to the wall and the engine blew up. I think I was running fourth when that happened. Tony Rochette, P3. Few cautions in the beginning, then 125 lap green flag run, got lapped in fourth. Caution came out from third, slamming the wall, caught the lucky dog and the green white checker got another podium and then today i ran uh thursday open p8 an early run uh made my way up uh front it was a long run uh it wasn't a green flag stop but we almost got to it i got up to p2 on the long run i had to pit under caution to uh, uh to grab a fedex at the door um i had my computer was being delivered i bought a laptop and so i actually gave up my track position to go get the package, um, but was able to march my way all the way back up to the lead. And I led 13 laps. The guy who eventually won, I actually ran side by side with him for several laps before he finally got me. Uh, after that, I faded to third when fourth place ran into the side of me going down the front straight. Um, I spin no caution and end up bringing it home eighth but it felt really good to be in the mix for the lead. Um, the guy who beat me was faster, there was no doubt, but um, it, was, it was nice to be up there mixing it up. All right, let's move on to official. We had Tony Rochette, a pair of P7s at Dover on Tuesday, trying to get the feel for the sets. I ran the Chris McGuire hosted over the weekend, 87 cars at Texas, wrecked out. 87 cars at Tally, P3. Almost won that one. David Hall, he gets uh, two wins at Monza in the PDS Euro Sprint Series. Then Fast Track. Greg, tell us about your race, wrecked out. Uh, yeah, the Fast Track one wasn't... Uh, we were all working together and it came down to... What do we have, 10 to go there, Mike? I think it was like just under 10 to go when that big one happened. and. 
I don't. I think David feels really bad about what happened. I mean, David turned me in on the straight, but he didn't mean to. It was just the unfortunate thing where we got kind of off center from each other, and it hooked me. And that's all we, you know, it is what it is. We had probably we had a good strategy, and then just of course we had wrecks that kind of screwed the strategy. Um, but it was a good race, and uh, I think we worked a lot better this time. Uh, together than we have at other restrictor play tracks. Yeah, I mean, four of us stayed together. Bobby was doing his own thing. He got wrecked out. Um, we don't have to worry about that anymore, though. Yeah, and so David, he ended up wrecked out, as, as Greg described. Um, I actually missed the wreck, barely, and so did Adam. I ended up P7, and so here's what I put down. Started farther back. Um, but made it eventually up to my teammates and we ran one two three four on the bottom for quite some time and i was really proud of that that the four of us could get together and lead that race um eventually that we got some cars in front of us and and due to non-decision i was trying to say let's go high let's do something we every, the other guys were like no we're gonna stay here and so um, at some point we ended up going high and that's when uh, David was pushing Greg and accidentally turned him. Uh, the final restart with three to go was hectic, but I was able to bring it from home uh, P7 from uh, P9 on that final restart. And I don't know what happened to Adam. I think he got a tore up at the end there. Yeah, he didn't make it through or something either. All right. Didn't, didn't he have his, his spin? Yeah, he spun because he got loose coming out of the corner self-spin or something yeah okay obrl aftermath of the truck series it was tom ogle with the win at dover Dwayne macarthur second jason higginbotham third and that's it let's go to final results uh, final thoughts brian mccoven well it's been another really busy week i'm afraid i didn't get back on the sim like i was hoping to had some issues with some equipment around my house uh so just kind of bummed out that I've been missing it so bad, but I know there's light at the end of the tunnel. It's coming up soon, so I'll be back on the sim before long. All right. Uh, well done. And Greg Hectus, final thoughts? Uh, I kind of had the same thing happen to me. I got the two Talladegas in last week. I finished uh, second in the getter done last Thursday night uh, racing. Um, we, raced, we raced Lime Rock at an hour and 10 minute endurance i think we did something like 86 laps in that hour and 10 minutes like it was it felt like an oval race the way it was going at that track but uh no it was a good race um i'm just you know we're starting to get to i think we have a couple we're a couple weeks away or we're a little bit over a month away from or under a month no When's the 600? It's probably, what, four or five weeks away, right? So we're about four or five weeks away from the 600, the Indy 500. Um, I'm pretty excited for those. Those are always great events on iRacing, so I look forward to that. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll see what Dover brings Friday and Sunday for the race. All right, very good. Tony Groves, final thought. Ah, I don't have a whole bunch. I'm kind of in the same boat as everyone else. I've been uh, just busy and haven't been able to get on a sim much i got the talladega start i don't think i'm gonna get a dover start um but you bet your ass i'm gonna be getting uh i'm getting a start uh next week 
I am not missing the I'm not missing getting my stripe. I love that track. So much fun. So I'll be looking forward to that. If I can make Dover, it'd be cool, but I don't think that's gonna happen. Okay, very good. My final thoughts. Uh excited about my new wheel. It shipped finally about two weeks late from when they initially said it would. But uh, happy to have that tracking number and it's I think I get it Wednesday. Um the sim wind project, a wind sim project. Well, I decided to move the hoses, and then when I did, one side of one of the fans quit working, and I don't know why. And so I think my soldering is loose or something. So I got to figure out why one works and the other doesn't. And I finally uh, have figured out. I think I'm going to ditch the hoses. I mean. The fans blow a ton of air, but when you put the hoses on them, it, it, nothing barely comes out. And so I'm going to reposition the fans to be above the monitors, uh, pointing down at an angle on me. Um, there's a guy in the forums who done the, who sent a picture of what he's done, and it was perfect. I just got to figure out how to mount them. I'm probably going to have to buy some profile and um, some hardware and. and hitting up Kyle on some ideas on how to mount it, but this project's not done. I gotta fix the Arduino, I gotta reposition, I gotta lose the hoses, and then we'll be good. So yeah, lots of stuff uh, working with that. Looking forward to the new wheel, and hey, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the Odd Racers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.